All right, and welcome back to the Inadvertent Whistle podcast, and Happy New Year to everybody. And Adam, obviously, we've got off to a pretty rough start here in the D.C. area with a lot of snow, and like to you know hear what you've been doing and let you introduce our guest today. Well, thanks, Scott. <clears throat> Happy New Year to everybody. What we've been doing is digging out from a six to eight inch snowstorm that closed schools for a week. That's a story for a different day. Um, mm. I was glad to get get my kids back in school today. Um, we are extremely fortunate to have Jackie Funk with us as our special guest today. Uh, Jackie has a very rich history of basketball in Northern Virginia as a high school basketball player um, at Woodson High School, state champion, um, played basketball at George Mason University, was the first uh, Division I female scholarship athlete uh, at George Mason basketball. And then, you know, was an outstanding official um, in high school basketball and was the first, correct me if I'm wrong, Jackie, the first woman to referee a boys' state championship game in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Correct. Um, so, you know, welcome to the podcast, Jackie. Um, we are extremely fortunate to have you today. So, you know, just tell us what you're doing these days. What's what, what's going on, and and do you miss refereeing basketball? Because you stopped doing that. What is it? Eight years ago? Ten years ago? Gosh, it's been. I think this is year ten. Yeah. So, do I miss basketball tremendously? And I did try to stay involved a little bit, um, helping out you guys, but with a lot of travel and kid challenges, it made it tough. I will say before we dive in that. I did take the exam down here where I'm living now and I, and I did pass it. Um, so I didn't end up officiating this winter, but um, there are plans to, to dive back in at some point. So, uh, you know, I might be calling you for some, some rules uh, interpretations next year, if I do indeed get, get back to it. So I assume when um, you say calling you for rules, that means Scott, not me, because you know, yeah, that's probably, probably you're right. Yeah. You or okay. Andy or Andy or Bill or, you know, some of the smart or Mike. Yes, but not me. Yeah. So <laughs> what am I doing now? So, you know, the, around COVID time, um, a lot of things changed for many of us. And, and that included me. I'd lived in the D.C. area my entire life, um, have a second home at the beach. And when uh you know, I won't forget the night. My daughter had a soccer game scrimmage senior year of high school. She had like four goals, three assists. They crushed the team and we're looking like they were going to be heading towards the state championship. And the next morning, everything shut down and, and it was over. So senior soccer season was over. School was done. And we packed up within three days and decided to move to the beach house because if we were going to be, you know, locked in, let's be locked in where it's beautiful. So well, smart idea. Yep. Spent a lot of time at the shore. Um, in addition, I'm the primary caregiver for my 91 year old mom. Um, so it made it nice to be closer and COVID didn't go away, but, uh, the market skyrocketed and I took advantage of a great time to sell in Northern Virginia and probably at the peak. Um, so therefore I was homeless in Northern Virginia and, and decided for the foreseeable future to, to live at the beach. And that's what I've been doing. So still working full-time, working remote, make it up to DC a lot, but a, a, a lot of lifestyle changes in the last two years. Well, it's, it sounds like you guys made a good decision to move to the beach and I know the kids are doing well and um, they were, um, I remember when they were so small, they were little teeny, little teeny babies when they were at our wedding. 
Um, they were in, up in, yep, up in Niagara. We just, we were actually yeah. talking about being at your wedding. Jaden was two days ago with her friend. Um, yeah, but their, their memory and, and the reason, even though I largely retired because they both were playing high school basketball and, and travel soccer, and I couldn't find a way to balance everything. Um, they missed the, uh, hospitality rooms the most they tell me that all the time <laughs> like they had fond memories of great. getting them access to like kick-ass um hospitality rooms whether it was postseason holiday tournaments or whatever so even when they were like in college they were like can't you just go back so we can get the free food that's great so actually we were talking before we before we started taping today and you you mentioned something that i found interesting and i know scott did too is that well, number one, your memory is not that great, which is a good thing, actually, in sports, because we do need to have short memories, right? Because right. with the mistakes that we make. But you talked about how your memories are of the relationships and the and the, and the funny things that happen in games, not necessarily the, the game itself or the outcomes. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. I mean, I can't even I, I mean, I probably could calculate how many games I did from the first year I officiated and then all through high school and, and, and all of the college games I did. But, you know, that's what I remember. I remember the relationships and I remember, you know, making fun of each other. I remember people who helped each other out when we had, you know, some folks had financial issues, car trouble, needed directions, weddings, you know, all those kinds of things. And sadly, you know, this year as we're all, Graying. We're, we're also seeing some people passing that, that were very important to all of us. Um, but that's what I remember. I don't remember specifics about a district final, a regional final, a mistake. I, I remember the connections I made meeting up at Brian's, you know, even if we were driving 45 minutes away from my house, we would want to be at Brian's because we would want to see each other. And it wasn't to talk about the coaches or the players or to brag about the game we had it was camaraderie. And, and I still, when I look back at, at all of the, the relationships I formed throughout my lifetime, m- many of my CBOA relationships have sustained longer than companies I've worked at for years. And, and it's, you know, we have things in common. Um, we went to bat with each other for each other. And, and we generally took a, a group of people from all different walks of life and came together for something that was like, a commonality. And that was just super important to me. Jackie, you'd share with us a story that you uh, had with one of our veteran officials, Bill Naylor, who recently passed away. It just, it brought a chuckle to us. I know that there was a lot of people that, that loved Bill. Can, can you share that though? Just so everybody else can hear that fun story. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I, I was mentioning it because I, I was thinking about it very recently um, as, as I saw, you know, that we, that we lost, uh, Bill, but you know, my son who's 22 now, you know, my kids did go to a lot of games with, with us. Um, and I took Jackson over to Brian's grill one night and, and I was saying, I can't, I know it was in the winter, December, January, but I can't remember if Jackson would have been five or six months or he would have been like 17 months. But regardless, um, I walked in and, and Bill was really excited to see him and said, Hey, can I hold him? It's like, sure. I wanted to have a beer and catch up with people. And we always had that big, long table in the back. And I turned back around to just glance and make sure Jackson was okay. And Bill's like, look, he likes Sprite. 
and he's sipping Sprite out of a straw. And the kids got, I was saying, he's been breastfed, maybe fed some baby food, but definitely had not had Sprite yet. And I just looked at Bill. And of course, some parents might have overreacted and been like, give me my kid. And I just just laughed and turned back around and kept going. So. <laughs> hey, the, 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 there are a lot of officials would have been given a beer instead of Sprite. So exactly. Um, but I'm sure Jackson's making up for lost time. He is. Roll That's tide. good. Roll tide roll. Um, that's that's a great story. It really is. Um, so, Jackie, when you look back at your career, you know, you were really a trailblazer. I know that um, it really took some foresight from from people like Joyce Sisson and Cecil Hurst to to have the guts, if you will, to to schedule you into boys games and, and put you in the state tournament and give you the opportunities that you earned. Can you just talk about what that was like, you know, back in, in, in those days? Sure. I don't think a lot of people understand, you know, there, there's a lot of women that are working men's side, especially in the NBA now, but that we're talking 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. So, so to go way back, you know, and we were just talking about this, I think I started in like 89, 90, 90, 91. I was with uh, Scott Cronin, Frank McGrail, my brother, Craig Funk. We all kind of went through the class together um, and back in the day, it was very, very strict rules. You had to do three years non-varsity before you could even be looked at. It didn't matter if you were really good. Didn't matter who you were. You did three years non-varsity. And then you had to go through quite an extensive process to get elevated to potentially getting swing list. Um, it was also a time when there was the girls list and a boys list. Many people don't probably know that, but you got assigned to the girls side of the boys side. And I can't even remember how many years I want to say it was three, two, three, four years before we started that whole in order for a guy to work postseason. And I say guy because it was all guys guy to work postseason on the boys side. You had to work three girls games. And in order to work a girls postseason game, you, you, they tried to make you work three boys games. So there was a lot from an assigner perspective, like how do I put certain people on games or how do I deal with this ego? And he refuses to work a girl's game and I don't want to make them, but they like bribe them to do it. And, and that's what it took at, at the early stages to get everyone to understand that, that we just needed to develop the officials. And it wasn't about being equal. It was about being equitable. So one thing that, that I was fortunate to have experienced, even though in many ways people would say you were a trailblazer, I grew up in Fairfax County. I played basketball in Fairfax County. I even coached for a couple of years in Fairfax County. So I knew I'd say 90% of the men's high school coaches, JV and varsity. And so as I came up through JV, they knew me more than they knew some random guy that walked in the gym and they might, because they knew me pay attention to, can she ref or can she not? And I never, I, I have to say this, I was never treated um, as far as I know, I was never treated poorly or I was never, no one ever said, I don't want her on my game by a coach. I dealt with more challenges from within the officiating community early on than I did the coaching community. And I know that sounds odd, but it was like almost this hesitancy. And it was, I don't know if I want to be on the court with her because someone's going to treat her badly or, or she's not going to be able to handle it. And, um, 
Then there were people like, you know, my very first boys game, two man crew was with Gil Fitzhugh at Yorktown. That's what I remember. And the guy treated me like gold. And so as the veteran officials like the Don Cronins and the Bill Naylors and the Gil Fitzhughes, there's so many, so many that treated me well, walked on the court with me and then went back and said, she's all right. It wasn't that I was great, but I didn't screw up and I had composure and I could do game management. They checked the box and then I got the next opportunity. So like if there was one thing I'd say about the community of officials is I never felt like I was not accepted from the very beginning. And Cardinal was really ahead of its game in that time because, you know, with Joyce and Linda Herf and yourself, you didn't just, it wasn't just you, you know, there, there was, there was other people that you could fall. Carol Horton, Carol Horton and Amy Gates. Yeah. And uh, Barb, um, Barbara McAllister. Barb McAllister. Yes. So Barb and like, so Barb and and Joyce and Linda and and those guys, they were the ones officiating when I played in high school and and even the parents would hang out with the officials. So it was kind of, kind of funny and uh, men and female officials, but um, you know, Linda from an officiating standpoint was the first trailblazer. I remember seeing the article in the USA today about her working a men's game, high school game. um, And to me, that was amazing. Um, And so she definitely broke, broke the the barrier in our community um I came along after she'd done that and then like I said I was just accepted and it's to me just like a guy official you know you you build a um reputation based on your game management your knowledge of the rules your physical presence you know your ability to kind of roll with things and get along with even your partners and that's what helps you build your career and, and get better games and get, you know, do well. It's, 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 there's a lot to it. And it doesn't matter if you're, you know, female or male, as long as you keep doing that and you build your resume and build your reputation then people have confidence in you when you walk in the gym and you guys know that it's, it's no different today. So correct me if I'm wrong. When you did the, the, it, back then it was the three, a boys state championship, which is similar to the five, six, a now. Mm-hmm. It, if I remember right, it was a split crew. And so you weren't working with officials that you knew from Cardinal and you were also the crew chief in that game. Is that correct? Correct. So I was supposed to work that game. I think either a year or two years earlier, I got that assignment and I was working a boys regional quarterfinal and in the middle of like second quarter, something didn't feel right. And I knew I tore my ACL. So, so, um, I was supposed to work that game two years earlier. I went into the locker room. There was no one to step in and help me like take over. I remember that situation because I know who was at the table. And I said, do you think you can do this? And she was like, yeah, no, no. And so I basically hobbled the second half, got through the game, went to my car, could barely walk at that point, went to the doctor two days later and literally said, you just have to shoot me up. This is my only first and only opportunity. I can't miss this. And he's like, uh, no, you can't. So, so I had to wait and rehab that next year. And then I think it was the second year after that, that I got my chance to do it. And, and yes, I was at VCU. Um, and again, by then I'd done quarterfinals with our crews. I'd done, I'd probably done five or six on the girls side. Cause I used to do the fall games. Remember way back when I used to make the trip to Bristol and I'd done some, a couple boys semifinals, which I think were also mixed crew. Um, 
Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, the, the fun, that game was fine because I was the crew chief and, and people knew I was okay. And I walked in the game with 11,000 people and that game was just an amazing game. Um, the more interesting one that I remember is going down to Liberty and I had a game with like GW Danville and I can't remember who. And I walked in the gym and, and Pat Halley was on the crew after me. And when I walked in the gym, a couple of the guys, like they, they were like, what's she doing in here? And I think they thought I was Jack, not Jackie. And that my nickname was Jackie. And when I walked in, <laughs> they were a little bit surprised by what they were getting, but, and Pally's just sitting there, you know, chuckling in the background. Um, but it worked out. It worked out just fine. So, so I, I remember Jackie years ago, back in the old uh, two man days and you and I are old enough to still call it two man. Yeah. Um, right. Um, you and I went out to a high school outside of Fairfax, outside of Loudon. I won't, I won't say the high school, um, mm -hmm. but we had to travel quite a bit. And when we were going in the door, we were going through the, the where the lady was taking tickets and she said, Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, but your, your, your wife's going to have to pay. And I said, she's not my <laughs> wife. She's, she's, she's my partner for the game. And she goes, you know, we have a boys game tonight. So yeah, no, we have a boys game. And so you two, I remember you two then had a girl power conversation for like the next 10 minutes as I just waited in the lobby. And then um, the woman was extremely excited about it. And then at this gym, you have to walk all the way down past, you know, the benches and the bleachers and you go to the locker rooms, you go up these stairs and you go down the hallway and we're, we're walking up there and the athletic director stops us. With, with, with our says, carry bags, right? With our wheelie right, bag. We, we, Everybody knows. Well, I didn't, I didn't have a wheelie bag then. I wasn't <laughs> big time like you. Um, so I'm schlepping my bag and he stops us and he says, excuse me, man, you can't go back there. And she's like, well, I'm, I'm on, I'm one of the referees. And he's like, what? And she, yeah, I'm one of the referees. And so, you know, we go out and, you know, we, we work a game like we would normally would and everything turned out great. And this guy comes back to the locker room after the game. And, and the one thing about Jackie, those of you that have never worked with her is Jackie's pretty quick to take her shirt and pants off <laughs> after a game, which is fine. Cause you can spandex on, you got a sports bra on, which is like equivalent of a, a bathing suit. And you know, you've got your tights on. Well, he came in to bring us water and he, um, let me see if I can say this correctly. He was staring <laughs> at the, at her chest. And as he, as he, as he kind of apologized for, you know, like telling us what a great job and he leaves and Jackie and I are laughing. He comes back like two minutes later to apologize again at the whole time, his eyes fixated oh, on Jackie's chest. We, we were dying laughing so hard. I did have a few of those questions when we would go to games and, and then they try to send me to a different locker room because they thought we should change. And, and we always had a system, right? Cause there's normally a door or there were like lines of lockers. So you could just, I could go to the right, you could go to the left and then we could get to our pregame. I didn't want to be in another locker room because that's part of pre preparing is the banter and, and such. And there were a few times that, people tried to force me into a, like a completely different wing of the building. And I'd be like, Nope, I get naked with these guys all the time. Just send me where they're going. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, another night that, that we had a game together, I don't know if you remember, it was you, me and Linda. That and was, was the, the uh, independent uh, state final final over at O'Connell. Yep. And, and O'Connell was playing a team out of Richmond. Yeah. Collegiate. 
and the coach before the game, when we go over, he, when we say hello and he kind of, kind of holds on to me and he's like, <laughs> what, like, what do we got going on here tonight? <laughs> I go, what are you talking about coach? He goes, you got two women with you. I said, yeah, I do. He goes, what's going to happen? I said, well, let me tell you something. I said, both of them have more experience than I am. I do. And they're better than I am. So you're going to have a problem with anybody. It's going to be me. So I wouldn't worry about them. <laughs> yeah. I, I had that conversation a few times. I remember like another one, I think it was the quarterfinal. Um, Cause that would have been our crew. And, and we all walked into Petersburg high school and Richmond city proper was not as advanced as I'd say some of the other parts of the state because different parts of the state were used to seeing females doing guys games and others weren't. And I remember another comical story like that where I wheeled past to some guy said, what are you doing? And I literally looked at him and I said, are you staying for the next game? And he said, yeah. And I said, good. Cause I said, do you really think I'd be here if I weren't better than the two clowns I was working with? And he just laughed and, and then we just carried on. <laughs> oh, that's great i mean you know, I, I, build rapport with the fans too yeah i think it's important also you don't realize what kind of impact you have and i was telling this to athena ardropolis who was mm -hmm. in a neighboring association in board 12 and you just see little girls watching women officials doing boys games and it just sets such a great precedent and mindset for them. Like, you know, I can go do this. And I never really thought about it too much until I started, you know, I have three daughters and it's important for me to make sure that they have all the things that they need to have, uh, all the access, all the opportunities. And for them to be able to see, you know, Linda and, and yourself and Joyce and, and Athena and all these other Again, I'll call you guys trailblazers. You know, you're a trailblazer. You're the you know, first woman to work a, a boys 3A final. I mean, it's it's an amazing feat. And and you know, the the most important thing that I think I can share about this is you earned it. It wasn't like this was a gift. It wasn't like this was, oh, well, let's just throw some woman in there because we want to be the first ones. No, you were in there because you knew what the hell you were doing and you deserved the, the opportunity just as much as the Adam Bricks, as the Carl Armstrongs, as the Rosie Johnsons, may he rest in peace, Yep. and Gil Max. And so you, you've done everything that you needed to do. So, you know, I think it's great. And, um, you know, I, I appreciate, you know, you also having the fortitude to do it because it's a lot of stuff that you have to deal with when you get questioned like that and, and, and deal with that. So, well, I always joked that it was like the most peaceful part of my day because I it didn't bother me the conflict it didn't bother me the the yelling or the the decisions like I just got in my own little world for two hours a day and people don't understand that that's what we do we get in the zone and um, you got to make quick decisions and everyone's not perfect every decision's not perfect but if you work at it as a craft you know most of the time you're 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 treat you're are you know, you're, you're an arbiter and you're treating the game fairly and the people around you fairly. I always have referred to it as my oasis away from the rest of the day. Yeah. In the, in the same vein. That's what that, that's, <laughs> that's what that is. People, I don't think people that are, that have ever done it. Um, and even some people that, that do do it, don't under, don't, they don't appreciate and understand that. And I think that's why we stay involved for so long. And quite honestly, I think that's why we can do it fairly well is because we treat it as such. Mm -hmm. And so, 
yeah, I'm glad you took the rules test. Now you got to move your ass back to Northern Virginia because we need you here. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of areas need officials now. I don't care about the other areas. We need you back here. <laughs> I told you I can make some day trips. I can do that. And you passed the test. I mean, there's a lot of officials or association that can't pass it, even with an open. I'm assuming, Jack, you got 98% correct. I got like a 94. I missed a couple that were trick questions. But um, what was interesting down here is I like stressed out and waited and waited because I was like, I got to study before I take it because things have changed. And I took it and I passed it. And then I noticed that it was like down here, you could take it as many times as you want. <laughs> they just wow. were like so desperate. They're like, oh, you got a 40? Do it again. <laughs> it's, it w- will let you add up the two scores together. Right, right, right. So maybe it's a good time to get to our pet peeves. So um, our pet peeves are sponsored by the Steve Gordon Basketball Officials Camp for this week. And you can go on the website at sgboc.com and register. And so, um, Jackie, Adam and I always bring up our pet peeves, and, and we have so many to list that, you know, we, we get to do this every every week. So um, I'll start and then, and then uh, let, let uh, you jump in. Sure kind of get a flavor. So one of the things I always remembered when I would work um, really any game, but, but I found this, especially in girls games, we don't let players block shots as officials. And what I found is that for, for officials that come in and they work girls games and your daughter played in high school and your, and your son played in high school, but I imagine that Jaden probably got some foul trouble for blocking shots that were that were dead clean and it's like we forget to get our angles we we forget to get our positioning and we just assume well you know they couldn't block a shot and so for me i i've seen so many clips that get sent over um from high school coaches or uh even from officials in cardinal that say we need to we need to teach our officials that we need to let the athletes block shots but oh by the way and Stafford Farmer Lee sent me a, a clip recently. Girls can block shots too. It, it, it's it's okay. <laughs> and I think that we we as officials make that mistake. So let, let's let's just do the things that we need to do to be in position. So that would be my pet peeve. So Jackie, do you have one that that you can think about stands out? Gosh, I have a lot of pet peeves. I was like thinking about it when you asked me that earlier, and I was like, I don't really have a lot. Um, and the first thing, oddly, that comes to mind is three seconds. So like, and again, this all goes down to you're trying to build a reputation for yourself as an official and you walk into a gym and then all of a sudden this guy's like three seconds, three seconds, and no one sees it but him. And it probably was three seconds, but he didn't talk to the player. He he had no communication. It was completely off the ball. It didn't impact the play. And it's like, okay, it's a rule, but did you need to do it? And, and, and how could you have handled it? And so it's all that whole or, or the uh, obscure off the ball calls that really were close, but not necessary. And again, you look at the film and the guy or gal has four of them in a game and you're yep. like, you shouldn't. So there's just so many things about understanding our role, our role, R-O-L-E in the game and what we're supposed to be doing out there and then just not getting the feel for it and, and taking making too big of a presence for unnecessary reasons. Um, that's a pet peeve, the, you know, some of the pet peeves I have as you're coming out and becoming a better official. 
Well, and it's also, it's funny when you go in and a team's down by 25, there's two minutes to go in the game. And the team that's down by 25 gets called for three seconds. I just, I lose my mind watching that sometimes. Adam, what about you? Now, I'll just piggyback on some of the things that Jackie's talked about today. And I think one of the words that she used is, is a very important one. It's a craft, right? So it's something that we're developing and honing, even after the many years that we've been doing it, we're still developing and honing it. Um, and so that's part of that feel, that understanding of the game. Um, and so for me, it, it, part of it goes to, and we've talked about this before, Scott, with, uh, with other folks on and, and recently when we had uh, Coach Kaz on, is that, you know, one of my pet peeves is officials come into games and they don't see it as a craft. They, they just show up to run up and down the floor and blow a whistle, um, even though, the, like I said, the teams have been practicing all week long for the game. You know, have you been thinking about that game? Have you been thinking about your crew? Have you been thinking about how can I do a little bit better than I did the night before? Um, you know, and so for me, one of the things that I was taught early on in my collegiate career um, was by a guy named Art McDonald. Artie was, a, was a, an old veteran in uh, Northeast College basketball. And uh, two young guys, two of us were working with him one night. And he you know, Artie was a, a smoker, chain smoker in a locker room. He'd be putting on every, you know, uh, back in the, the liniment, the, the Ben Gay, all the different kinds of stuff. He, we're in a very small locker room. He's smoking. I thought we were going to spontaneously combust between <laughs> the cigarettes and, and the smell of the lotions. And he, and he talked in this raspy voice and he called everybody coach. And he said, hey, guys, you, 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 I don't know if I give you uh, some advice. And we're like, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, coach. He said, well, here's the key to survival. Call the obvious, keep your mouth shut, and when the whistle blows, go get the effing ball. And when you parse that, it really makes a whole ton of sense, right? As Jackie said, don't come up with that obscure off-the-ball call. Call the obvious stuff. Just make the obvious calls. And we've talked about this before on this show. You know, what you say and how you say things to coaches is important. So if you don't know what to say, don't say anything at all. Right. But you can still communicate with them, right? You can still acknowledge what they've had to say. And at the end of the day, when the, when the, when the shit hits the fan and you're in a crew, if you're working with Jackie Funk, let Jackie Funk take care of it when the shit hits the fan. Just go get the freaking ball. And she'll take care of the hard stuff because that's what she's there for. So. Yeah, that's, that's really true. I, I saw a lot of that, like a lot of the, <clears throat> problems people would have would be because someone tried to assert themselves or be too big in front of a coach or be a coach's best friend. That was the other one. You know, sometimes I had to learn that even though they knew me and they didn't know the two other people I was working with, I had to be like, give them a chance. So I had the ch choice to go over and be buddy, buddy and talk to my guy I've known 20 years, which both my partners are going to see and think, Oh, they like her, but think I'm, you know, I'm, I'm no one. And you even as, as the lead official sometimes have to build confidence in your two partners by saying to the coach, like, give him a chance. He made a mistake or give him a chance. He's a good official instead of like, you know, nodding your head like, yeah, he's having a tough night. And so even as the senior person, you can throw your peers under the bus as an official. And we got to do a better job of not doing that. It's funny you say that. I had a game a couple of weeks ago where a coach was being a particularly rough on a on a. Um, one of our newer varsity officials 
and he was yelling him at one end to uh, to make a call. No, to not make it. Like, why are you calling that? And then we go down the other end, and he calls it, and it goes against him. And, and he starts yelling. I said, yo, 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 coach, you're confusing the poor guy. <laughs> tell him not to call. You tell him to call. He goes, yeah, but I just want it called my way. I said, that's the problem. <laughs> just, give, just give him a chance. Just right. leave him alone and let him let him call the game. Right. Oh, that's great. So, um, I want to transition to our mailbag. I, I, I don't, I don't know what you got, but I got, I have one email here from Castine Evans. Castine is one of our up and coming officials. She played for four years at Kentucky and was a captain there, and is, uh, you know, really jumped. Uh, really fast and is working at the division one level is also um, on the list for the NBA grassroots program. So she'll be going to the NBA grassroots program, hopefully this summer. But she, she said that uh, once she transferred into officiating and now that she is getting a mix of girls games and boys games, do, did you have the same types of challenges with partners feeling that she was ready and I, and I got to imagine the answer is yes, but can you share with us maybe a story or two where maybe your partners didn't trust you because you were a woman and how did you earn their trust? Is, is she, when you say girls games and guys games, are you talking specifically at the high school level? Well, so she's doing women's college and then she gets a mix of, of boys and girls in the, in the high school. Yeah. So, I mean, again, I think there's a couple things that play into it. One is, find those mentors and find those influential partners and, and people within Cardinal and get in front of them. So it definitely helped me. And it wasn't like I sought this out, but it happened when I worked with, um, you know, Cronin, Don Cronin, or I worked with any, any of the senior officials and they were having their own conversations without me in their little boys club. And when they all started talking about, you know, she can officiate. Once you prove yourself to people that matter, they help spread the word that you can handle yourself. So one piece of advice would be get yourself exposed, um, talk shop. Like that's the other thing. There's a lot of people who aren't willing to say, I think I screwed up a rule last night. Can you help me through it? Because they're afraid if they expose a lack of knowledge, people are going to judge them. When the reality is, if you don't find those trusted advisors that you can go to, you're never going to get the role right in the future. Um, and then the third part of it, and this is the part that I found hardest my entire career, was high school and college is very different. When I went to do games with the Big East, the ACC, the Big South, the Colonial, whatever conferences I was in, some were very welcoming and some were not. And it didn't matter whether it was a male official or female official, they have their own little groups. So navigating those other communities, I found to be challenging and took longer to build the trust of those people because many of them had been working together 15, 20 years. And then all of a sudden this new person, me, was coming on. And you guys know sometimes, in, and I don't know how if it's the same way, my first year in the ACC, I got two games. My third year, I got five games. You know, My fourth year, I got 10 games. You might not see certain officials for two to three seasons. So you're new unless you see him at camp. So it just takes a lot more to get that connectedness and that trust at the college level. Uh, so Adam, you guys, I mean, you have anything to add to that as far as like no, building no, I think you, relationships? Yeah, 
I think you're right. I, uh, I mean, it, it, it's about, you know, establishing that reputation that you are a good official, that you're a good crewmate. I also think it came along a time in college basketball where there was a little bit of changing of the old guard to a, a younger guard. And I think which probably made it even more difficult. Um, and that's going to be the case in, in, in many walks of life, but in particular in officiating, regardless of whether it's high school, boys, girls, men's, women's, um, you've got an old guard. Yeah. I mean, shoot, we, we, we got an old guard now. What are, the average age of our officials is probably just over 50 years old. Well, and that, that's a really good point. So one of the reasons I got into division one, because division three was much easier and, and I had connections and people that referred me in, but um, at the very last minute, Georgia tech got a six, six girl, and I was going to get that scholarship. And they had to call me and tell me I wasn't getting a scholarship. The head coach at Georgia tech was Bernadette McGlade. So Bernadette McGlade moved out of that role and ended up working the ACC before she moved into her, you know, next role and next role. So when I reached out to her and another person, Charlene Curtis, who used to coach at UVA and I knew, and then was at Wake Forest and then went into ACC women's, I did use connections or referrals just like we would in the business world to get, you know, to someone to introduce myself. And I was one of many but they maybe paid a little more attention because I was like, Bernadette, I don't know if you remember me. Oh yeah, of course I do. Charlene, how's it going? Miss you. Cause she coached at Radford, then UVA, then Wake Forest, then went to the ACC and Big South. So I use those relationships to set myself apart and at least get looked at when we went to those camps. And those things definitely helped me as well. Uh, that's great advice. Jackie, we, we could probably spend another couple of hours just kicking around stories and and uh, I tell you, on behalf of, you know, just the, the, the officials, both male and female that have come behind you, you, you always did it the right way. Um, we really enjoyed having you as an observer. It was nothing. Um, it, it was nothing for you to send a text of, you know, what the hell is this guy's name? <laughs> <laughs> and just be able to to you know hear hear your feedback and and you know so we we do we'd love to have you get back on the court again and hopefully maybe get you to come work at the camp this summer down at steve's camp um because you know that's actually possible now with this remote world i can have a lot more flexibility there you go i i, I do have one, something from the the text bag though not the mail bag mickey mcdade has sent me a text um and says tell jackie i said hello and and does she remember the rose game at garfield high school when he brought roses for you and Linda. Oh, that's right. I do remember that. <laughs> yeah. And we um, loved it. I know you did. I know you did. Um, I was, I think I followed you guys that night. It was, it was quite, and that was a Joyce assignment. She did that on purpose. Yeah, that's right. Um, that so that, that, that's, that's, that's another person we we're going to have to get on because Joyce was talking about trailblazers. Joyce is a, you know, a signing for, for Cardinal, both boys and girls high school games for a while. Um, and she did a lot of good things to, to move our association along. Well, um, and, and Adam, let's just be real. Like Joyce was the person at the VHSL that allowed me to get the state assignment and took the risk on me. And it's not to say that somebody else might not have, but she made it happen. And so I was nominated by my association, but she had the ability to put me on any game she wanted and she took a risk and she gave me that opportunity because she thought I deserved it. 
And yes, so, because you deserved it. Yes. And, Not because but, she was doing it as a favor. No, but for any other reason, it, you, other people could say she came from Cardinal. She was a woman and she gave a female a chance. And that wasn't it. She just made the decision. Um, other people did it. You know, like I said, Cecil did a lot for me. Lots of assigners helped me out. Stan Boris helped me out. But Joyce made she rolled the dice and took a big chance in a place that hadn't done it before. And, and that is like something that is very meaningful to me. That's, that's a, that's a good point. Well said. All right. So well Jackie, said. we, we, uh, we're going to wrap things up, but I wanted to give you a chance. If you have any last words that you want to share with the, the refereeing community that might be listening, all seven of them. Yeah, no, I think that the biggest thing right now is, you know, I got both my kids in youth officiating. Um, sadly, every Saturday at 8.30, I rolled into the gym and sat in the corner because they took so much abuse from the parents. And even though it was a house league and they were making like $14 an hour, um, I think we all got to do more to just get the word out about, you know, the fact that we are an aging group of a population and that about that just, just like other service industries, people are walking away from it because they don't have to take the abuse. And we've got to continue to all find ways to make a difference. Um, again, I was willing to sit in the gym for two, three hours. I go up in the afternoons on Saturday for friends of my of my kids, but that shouldn't be necessary when these these players are are second, third, fourth, fifth grade. Um, so we all have to, as parents and as neighbors and, and and all of that, do a better job of trying to turn down the volume and the abuse that's being targeted towards officials of all sports because. It's, it's a huge problem right now. Amen to that. That's why my, my son is, is doing some umpiring in Little League. And he's only, he's, he's not even 12 yet. He loves umpiring. Though. Jackie, I'll tell you offline a great story about that. But the way I do that, instead of sitting on the sidelines, I go out on the game and I do the games with him. And we have fun I doing did that do some of that, but I found that if I did too many basketball games with them, they would just wait for me to blow the whistle so I was like, who cares if they screw up this third grade game? They'll eventually figure right. it out. It's easier in baseball because I stick them behind. I let them call balls and strikes and I just stay out in the field. That's perfect. Yeah. That's perfect. great stuff. Well, it, you know, we, we are joined by a legend here in Cardinal with Jackie Funk today. So, Jackie, thanks so much for being on with us and wishing you and, uh, and your family all the best. I know there's a big football game tonight between Georgia and Alabama that uh, Jackson and the rest of the family is excited about. So roll we'll, tide. Uh, roll we'll, tide. We'll see. It's going to be tough. We'll uh, we'll keep we'll keep them in our in our thoughts and 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 Adam as always. You have the last word. And thanks again, Jackie, for joining us today. And for those of you listening, may this be the only inadvertent whistle in your day. I'm coming home. Let the rain wash away. All the pain of